Are you tired of men in their 30-somethings talking about the toys they played with when they were children? Then this is not the episode for you, and you might want to just skip to the next one. Welcome to Convince Me. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. It is another week, episode number 59 of Convince Me. I am Andy Rutherford, joined by Mr. Brian Bennett, Mr. Casey Elrod. Gentlemen, how goes it? What's going on, guys? How's it going, Bennett? You know, um, last couple of days, I've, I've really been struggling. And um, what I've been struggling with is um, trying to refrain myself from getting on eBay every five seconds and looking up a bunch of nostalgic toys that I grew up with and trying not to buy every one that I see, I think my wife would be pretty upset with me. So it's been, it's been a tough week. It's been a tough week at the Bennett household. Um, coming from someone whose wife has been very upset with him over the amount of money spent on old toys before, uh, I understand uh, completely. We will get more into that momentarily. Before we do, it is time for... The Weekly Shield. Um, join us on all our social medias. Give us a follow. We can be found on Facebook, facebook.com slash convince me show. Uh, we are on Twitter at convince me show. Occasionally we let you guys pick the show topic. And when we do that, we put up a poll. We put up a poll on Twitter uh, where it can also be found on Instagram. We are convince me show over there as well. And our YouTube page tinyurl.com slash convince me show every single episode in its entirety in video format can be found over on YouTube. And a lot of times, you know, check out the show on YouTube because there are visual elements to some of our shows, much like my closing argument last week, or see how Elrod describes a hot dog eating contest in a way that you just can't see listening to a podcast. So make sure you're checking out our YouTube. Uh, give us a subscribe over there. Uh, give us a view. And of course, we are a podcast. You can find us everywhere uh, that you find all your favorite podcasts. We are there. If we're not there, let us know. We'll do what we can to get there. And of course, it is award season, podcastawards.com. Head over there, um, register to, to nominate, nominate us for the People's Choice Award and the entertainment category. Uh, we would very, very much appreciate that. Again, podcastawards.com. Gentlemen, this episode has been hard to, to sit down and record uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, but we're here. It's late, but I got to say, I'm excited to do this one. What about you, Bennett? I'm pretty excited since uh, I was one that been kind of it been kind of on my mind for the last couple of weeks. Like, man, we need to do something like this. So I'm glad we're actually finally getting around to talking about something that I know me and Rhett know a little bit about. And I hope Elrod did his research because he wasn't quite around for some. Oh, yeah, I know every 80s toy line there is. I really do. I mean, I love talking about toys that were in circulation before I was born. It's great. Great. Great entertainment. It is great entertainment, and it was great entertainment to me and Bennett as children. If you haven't picked up on it yet, this week – we're doing a draft. It's another draft show. Y'all do a lot of draft shows. You know why? Because they're fun. That's why. Uh, but it's me versus Bennett, and we're drafting 80s toy lines. The toys we grew up on, the toys we loved. And this was before Al Rod's time, hence why he's not arguing. He's mediating. But I'm hoping that he did a little bit of research to be able to fairly judge these drafts. A little bit. A little bit. I, I don't want to poison the well, but I know it a little bit about this stuff. So to decide who gets the first pick tonight, we're going to do it a little bit differently. Right? I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. It's going to be a numbers question, and Bennett's going to tell me if it's higher or lower than the number that you gave. Okay? I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay? Here we go. So somebody tonight is probably going to draft the Thundercats. 
Maybe Bennett. It may be you, right? But my question is about the television show. I want to know how many episodes in their run, their initial run, from 85 to 89, how many episodes were there of the Thundercats? And Bennett's going to say higher or lower than your number. 146. 146. Bennett, is mm-hmm. a true number of the Thundercats greater or less than 146? Lower. He goes with lower. The total number was 130. So Bennett, he gets the choice. Do you want the first pick or do you want the second and third picks? I'll go first this time. Why not? He got. He take it. All right. Well, drum roll. It wouldn't be a very good podcast if we're talking about 80s toys and the very first thing not picked is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Turtles were produced by Playmate Toys in 1988. So little me was like two years old. And believe it or not, this toy line, they're they're still going pretty strong even today. Um, They're based off of this... uh, series of comic books and the comics are actually pretty pretty dark and pretty um pretty not suitable for kids i put it that way um they're uh the comics the guys in charge or the guys um uh, who uh came up with the idea for turtles was peter laird and kevin eastman and they thought it would be hilarious to have these like agile um karate teenagers as turtles it was kind of ironic and um this toy they want to put this toy on out so they thought man we've really got something here with this so they kind of shuffled the idea around to some toy companies they didn't really get anywhere but playmates said hey we'll give you guys a shot we'll do it we'll give you a toy line but we want a kid's cartoon to go with it and with this a worldwide phenomenon was born like i said in uh in 88 we got the original line which was the four turtles um, Leonardo, Raphael, Donatello, Michelangelo. There was April. We got Splinter. We got Foot Soldiers, Bebop, Rocksteady, and Shredder. And all these uh, characters came with a, multi- a vast multitude of uh, different types of weapons and accessories. Well, to everybody's surprise, like these turtles start flying off the shelves and they started expanding. You start getting like vehicles like the Turtles van, um, April Neal's uh, news van. Um, the turtle blimp, which I never, I never really remember having, but it's an awesome looking toy. And we even got some pretty iconic play sets like the turtle sewer and the techno drone, which the techno drone is widely regarded as one of the greatest play sets of all time. And soon this uh, phenomenon, this turtle craze just like took off and we had dozens and dozens and dozens of incarnations of these turtles. We had sports turtles, uh, movie star turtles, caveman turtles, farmer turtles, Universal Studio turtles, Wild Wild West turtles, sumo turtles, samurai turtles, rock and roll turtles, uh, military turtles. We even had troll turtles. Um, Obviously, it was a massive, massive success. And in just 1988 alone, they sold $23 million worth of turtles and by christmas of that same year retailers just couldn't keep stock on the shelves for these turtles and by uh, mid-1989 they become one of the best-selling toys ever in just you know a year and a half there um, they pretty much dominated the boys toy market as sales doubled to 145 million and even more impressively the following year sales had topped 500 million and Playmates became the first toy company in history to net more than $100 million. So going to the end of the 80s, into the 90s, the Turtles had captured more than 60% of the action figure sector. And it was estimated that 90% of American boys under the age of 10 owned at least one Ninja Turtle. Um, really, a lot of my fondest memories as a little kid involved these little green little heroes in a half shell. I had 
I had so many of these figures. I had pretty much as soon as a figure came out, if it had like one different weapon, I had to have it. You know, every single one of those that I named off and more had all the vehicles and play sets. Some of my favorites were, uh, of course, the original four turtles that came out in 88. Um, Casey Jones, uh, Basketball Donnie, who was supposed to look like Michael Jordan. Uh, the movie star turtles, Super Shredder. That was a really cool figure. Crane with his giant android body. And, of course, the turtle sewer play set. So I will fondly take Ninja Turtles at number one. All right. For uh, people that are not. Oh. Yeah, so uh, oh. since Elrod, you know, didn't live here, I made a presentation of all my potential draft picks just so he could see nice. the figures in their glory. There we um, go. And I had this up and ready to go because this was my number one pick. I'm a little pissed off right now. It shows yeah, up Very though. unhappy with that selection he just made. Very I unhappy. I, there's a key that came flying off my uh, laptop from where I threw that pen uh, that All I'll right. have to replace later on. So Bennett goes with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at one. Who are we going with at two? Here's the thing. I had three toy lines in mind uh, to go up towards the front. I had, if, if I was grading them, Ninja Turtles would have been a 10, and then I had two 9.9s. Um, so I'm pissed off I didn't get my first pick, but I'm also kind of happy because of those three, I'm still guaranteed to get at least two here. Uh, so I'm going to take in the first round with the second pick overall, my first pick, I'm going with a toy that was inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame in 2004 and into the Pop Culture Hall of Fame in 2017. My second choice on this list is none other than G.I. Joe. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very popular figure line in the 80s. Originally, they came out in the 60s. They were 12-inch figures. They were huge figures. But the year 1982 saw the successful, highly successful relaunch of the G.I. Joe product line in a much smaller uh, 3.75-inch scale called G.I. Joe, the Real American Hero. Now, when I think of these, I think of my brother, who, who's older than I was, uh, was really in his toy-playing age here when these came out in 1982, and he had a whole box of these in his room that I used to go steal as a little kid, uh, and he would get so pissed because I would break them, but they were so fun to play with. Um, this scale of these smaller figures was the same scale that was used uh, by Kenner's Star Wars figures, which may very well come up later in this draft. Um, but they had many, many more points of articulation than those Star Wars figures. Uh, and also something else with this relaunch, um, there were several tactics in toy marketing that were pioneered uh, through this relaunch, which combined traditional advertising with an animated television miniseries and an ongoing comic book basically to drive people to buy toys, which is we've talked about on the show before, which Bennett kind of touched on. It's kind of where Ninja Turtles came from. Uh, it was a drive to get people to buy toys uh, coming from a comic book. Uh, that all kind of started with G.I. Joe in 82. Uh, the decision to use these smaller scale figures also made it possible for Hasbro, who made these figures, um, to produce a variety of matching vehicles and play sets. Uh, G.I. Joe, much like Ninja Turtles Bent talked about, also had a massive amount uh, of play sets uh, that further expanded the appeal and commercial potential of the line. Uh, and by the time this run of G.I. Joe was done, the line produced well over 500 figures and over 250 uh, vehicles and play sets. Uh, so, like I said, it's in the National Toy Hall of Fame. Uh, it's in the Pop Culture Hall of Fame. And uh, let's see here if I can do this without revealing too much information. Um, show it here just so you can look at it. That's not what I did. There we go. G.I. Joe uh, right there for you. 
So that's my second pick. And uh, you know, go ahead. Uh, one other thing too about the GI Joes of all the other of all the accolades and um, achievements they they've done, especially in the eighties. I think their biggest achievement was creating a, a seven foot long uh, toy thing. Was what what was it called? The uh, oh shoot, I can't remember the name of it. But there was a toy that GI Joe put out um, that was like biggest toy ever produced was like seven feet long it was crazy let me right. find the name of that thing right. Where the are we uss going? flag playset was ah, aircraft carrier there you go it's seven and a half feet long Oof. insane i like the pick where are we going number three well, where we're going to number three is to a commercial. Before we get to number three, we're going to take a quick break uh, right here. Stick with us, guys. We will be right back. And we're back. All right. Oh, Captain, my captain, please lead us on through this draft. All right. You took G.I. Joe with your second overall pick, right? Who is your second pick, which would be your third overall pick? This next pick, third overall pick, my second pick, um, is probably the toy line that is nearest and dearest to my heart uh, that we're going to discuss all night. It is definitely the toy line I've spent the most money on as an adult from the 1980s. What I am taking right here are wrestling superstars produced by LJN. Um, they are the first action figures based on the wrestlers of the WWF. Now, nowadays, we think of wrestling action figures as a dime a dozen. They make 6,000 of them a year. But these were these are not the first wrestling figures ever made, but they were the first wrestling figures ever made from the WWF, the big show, the national t television show that everybody was watching. This was the first set of figures um the guy who thought of it uh sold the idea to ljn in the summer of 84 ljn was a video game company now they had had some moderate success in the toy world with thundercats uh but they had big success when they went here uh to these wrestling figures these wrestling figures were made of solid rubber uh, solid rubber and paint, but they were very, very pretty accurate uh, to their real-life counterparts. Uh, and they could have gone on longer, but LJN shut down its toy division in 1989, uh, which canceled the Wrestling Superstars line with it. Um, but the this 8-inch series, the main line, they had a couple sidelines, the Thumb Wrestlers, uh, and a couple more. But all of these came each superstar came with their own biography card on the packaging and a poster inside so when you bought a wrestler you got a poster with it uh with every single one uh there are 64 uh total figures that were made in this line uh all with unique molds there were six major repaints uh that changed the figures look significantly uh you know we had three different hulk hogan's before they were done uh with the line uh, but series one of that line sold between four and five million figures in the first year uh, when they were retailing uh, for about 10 bucks a piece. You can see the first line here uh, with your Hulk Hogan, your Andre the Giant, John Studd, Jimmy Snuka, Iron Sheik. This LJN second quarter earnings were at $8.3 million in 1985. When these toys hit and went through that first Christmas season, their second quarter earnings were, went from 8.3 in 1985 million to 55.7 million in 1986. Uh, these things took off and really as a toy kind of changed uh, the wrestling world in a sense, because these guys were making so much money on the royalty checks a lot of wrestlers went to WWF in hopes of getting a toy made because they were making six figures a year off royalties from these LJN toys. Um, so with my second pick, I'm taking LJN wrestling superstars. All right. So GI Joe and then the wrestling superstars Bennett, 
with your first overall pick, you have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Where are you going with the fourth overall pick? Fourth overall, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like I have the power, and that power is to pick Masters of the Universe with my second overall pick. They were produced by Mattel in 1981, so you really got them right at the very beginning of the decade there. Um, the figures first hit the shelves around uh, 80, 1982, and they were a smash hit. Um, I think one of the contributing factors to what made these stick out, um, especially on the shelves, is just the size of them. While G.I. Joe's and other toys were cranking out, you know, the 3.75 inch figures, Mattel, they opted to go bigger with the Masters of the Universe. They scaled these at around five and a half inches tall. So you're walking down the shelves, you know, at KB Toys or Toys R Us or Walmart, Kmart, what have you, and you see all the little small toys like the G.I. Joe's and the Star Wars. Then you see these huge 5.5-inch figures. They really stuck out, and they had great packaging, too. This is actually very important in uh, action figure history because right in between that 5- and 6-inch mark seems to be kind of the sweet spot and kind of the industry standard for uh, action figures, you know, just go to your local Walmart and take a stroll down the action figure aisle. Most of them are going to be right in that uh, five to six inch size there, at least for the last 20 or 30 years or so. Now, these toys lasted all the way to 1988 with seven waves. And like the Turtles, they had a uh, the toy line was very successful because it also had a successful animated series that accompanied the action figures. So kids see these uh, characters on TV, they want to get the toys so they can play with them at home. It's great marketing. Um, the first wave is really iconic in terms of classic toys. You had your heroes like He-Man and uh, Man at Arms, and you had your villains like Beast Man and Skeletor. And probably almost as important as the He-Man character was the playset, the Castle Grayskull. Um, that's another one of the very, very classic, iconic playsets of the 80s. And really there for a while, He-Man really was the master of the toy universe. They even eclipsed Barbie in sales as they declined all the way up to $400 million by 1986. Um, all in all, there were at least 70 figures that were produced along with like 16 vehicles, five playsets, and um I found an interesting article online from that was published in 1983 and it said the following. It said the toy company had sold 70 million of these figures worldwide in just two years. And in the U S alone, it had sold five or 55 million or about 1.7 figures for every American nine-year-old or younger. Holy. Um, they said they had sold $350 million worth of toys just in 83, which rivaled, the, the almighty Barbie, which is another product of Mattel. And um, there was a, a Toys R Us store in uh, Paramus, New Jersey, that said there were 50 requests a night for Masters of the Universe figures, according to an employee. And they said as soon as they came in on the shelves, they were practically gone. So even the toy line, even until this day, um, still remains pretty popular. Mattel, um, they recently resurrected this toy line in the last couple of years, and WWE's even gotten in on the action. They've kind of done this uh, pretty successful crossover with WWE figures with um, they're matching them up with he like actual He-Man characters doing this mashup. It's pretty interesting. Um, I never really exactly had these toys at home that I remember, but the daycare that I went to, did have these toys, and I, I remember playing with He-Man, uh, Manny Faces, Orko, and Skeletor, and I thought they were really cool because you just didn't see anything like them up to that point. Most of your toys weren't as ripped and, you know, scaled the way that they were, so they were they were definitely huge in uh, action figure history there. I like the pick. I like that pick, in it? Um, fifth overall pick. You're still up. Who else are you taking? You know, my, um, my third pick here could really be in the conversation 
for best toy line of the 70s, best toy line of the 80s, one of the best toy lines of the 90s, and even one of the best toy lines in present day. And I'm talking about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Star Wars was first released in uh, 1978 by Kenner. You're going to hear that name hopefully a lot in the rest of my list here. Um, they would thrive. They, you know, like I said, they started in 78, but they thrive all the way through at least the first half of the decade of the 80s. They stood at just under four inches tall, and they were a very influential figure in figure history as they were the first toys to be successfully marketed based off of a theatrical release movie. Um, beginning in 1980, Ken released the Empire Strikes Back a toy line, which ran from 1980 to 1982. And it featured 29 figures, most notably the debut figure of Yoda and the Adat Walker playset, which is another um, a very iconic uh, playset, toy, vehicle, whatever you want to call it, that, that Adat. Um, flash forward at 82, they released the Return of the Jedi line, which featured another 31 unique figures. And this ran from 82 to 84. And then lastly, in 85, they dropped their final 15 figures, which was known as Power of the Force. And this set included some pretty popular ones like Luke Skywalker dressed as a stormtrooper, um, Anakin Skywalker, and Han Solo in his uh, Carbonite. Um, throughout the 80s, they were a smash hit. Um, and by the, by the end of 1985, the company estimated approximately 250 million figures had been sold altogether. And even even at present, they, they still remain a force today. You know, there was the huge resurgence in uh, 1995 when they had the, uh, the Force Awakens 2. And, you know, that, that was a pretty successful run that went along with the new movies there in the mid-90s. And even today, you have um, Star Wars figures. You've got the uh, Star Wars Legos. You've got Star Wars Funko Pops. So they're still being bought up by kids and kids at heart a lot. So just it's just one of those um, toy lines that seems like it's going to you know endure the test of time. Really, love that pick. That might be my favorite pick so far. But I'll tell you why later. So to recap your three picks for our listeners and watchers, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Masters of the Universe, and Star Wars, right? With the sixth overall selection, but to recap yours, G.I. Joe and the Wrestling Superstars. So who we got going six? Um, this is crazy. I knew Mr. Bennett and myself thought a lot alike. Uh, but through the first five picks, I have made two selections. He has made three. Um, and I have a draft board here in order uh, of 10 toy lines. And through the first five picks of this draft, the first five picks are off my board. Um, so if you see me getting a little upset about Star Wars and Ninja Turtles, uh, I actually had Star Wars at four and, and, and Masters of the Universe at five. Bennett flopped them, but either way, he still got them ahead of me. Um we think too much alike, and that kind of pisses me off right now, but that's okay. We'll move on to pick number six, my third-round pick going down to sixth on my draft board, but it can be found number one on a lot of draft boards. I will say, in researching this show, you know I like to look at lists. Something I found from all these lists looking at 80s toy lines, you saw a lot of the same names in a lot of the lists, but they were never anywhere close to the same order. Um, what might be number one on one list might be 11 on another. Um, so to say this was number one on one of the lists I looked at is it helps my point, but it also means nothing because pretty much every toy discussed tonight will probably number one on some list. Um, but I'm going with my third pick with Transformers. Mm. Um, the first Transformers toys. Uh, were created from two different transforming robot toy lines from a Japanese company, uh, Takara. And they were called the Car Robots and Micro Change. Um, and what happened was had, these were originally Japanese toys until Hasbro, the American company, came along and acquired the rights to sell them in the United States. But when they did that, 
instead of selling them under their original names, they rebranded them as the Transformers. Now, the first two years consisted primarily uh, of just reusing the molds that were used in Japan uh, for car, car robots and micro change. Um, but some of these early toys were actually made of die-cast metal. Uh, I don't know if you all, I'm sure Elrod's not familiar. Bennett may be familiar. I think I've seen one or two. These toys were actually made of metal uh, the first couple of lines, and then they switched them to plastic for uh, probably several reasons. Uh, but eventually the metal was phased out, and they made them with plastic. Um, large scale, of course, th this toy line went on for a while, but large scale production of, of new characters in the line basically ended with the onset of generation two if you don't know what generation the difference in the generation the transformers don't feel bad because i didn't know that was a big thing either until doing research for the show but apparently it is um and there are a lot of people in these transformers toy super fan communities um there are a lot of people that believe this 1980s from 84 to 1990, which is considered generation one to be the only pure form of transformers. Uh, and they really are the version that everybody remembers, but it was, it really changed the game and far as having these toys, this picture kind of sucks, but it was the best one I could find. Um, but you know, you've got these toys that you can literally transform uh, from a car to a robot, uh, you've got um, the, the good guys and the bad guys in Japan were called uh, the Diaclone and the Microman series. And I don't remember who was the heel and who was the baby face there. Um, but of course, they come over here, they get their names changed. Um, but yeah, really innovative toy line started in Japan, but really a huge hit here uh, in the 80s. Which is what we're talking about. Yeah. I love the Transformers. I love the Michael Bay movies. A lot of people don't. No, as not. we as we know on this show and among our couple of listeners, I'm big on the movies when they <laughs> with these genres. Um, who are we going with at seven, right? At number seven. We're going, this is crazy to me that this is pick seven and I'm already down to number seven on my draft board. Uh, but this is a line that I moved down to seven, but I easily could have moved up. I actually had them higher and rearranged some things. Um, Bennett said we're going to hear Kenner a lot in this episode and we're going to go with Kenner toys again. We're going to go with the real Ghostbusters. Um, uh, Bennett looks upset. I'm <laughs> he looks glad he's exactly. finally upset. I'm glad he's finally upset. Um, yeah. But in 1986, the real Ghostbusters hit the shelves, uh, and they stayed on the shelves through 1991. Um, mostly, they're called the real Ghostbusters instead of just Ghostbusters because they're mainly based on the animated series uh, of Ghostbusters. However, there are a couple things. Uh, the Ecto-1A and the Ecto-Charger weapons um, were actually from Ghostbusters 2 film, uh, but they ended up finding their way into the toy line. Um, they hit the stores fulfilling Christmas pre-orders in 1986, but they didn't hit the shells in 1986 because the first print of these toys sold out in pre-orders in the 80s. Uh, that's something you hear about now with like, special edition toys that are coming out at Comic-Con, but just a regular toy line in 1986, the first line of them sold out in pre-sales um, before they ever hit the shelves. Of course, a lot of iconic and memorable play sets that came with these as well. You had the van, <coughs> you know, you had the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, you had uh, all the ghosts, you had all the packs, the, um, Ghost packs as a Ghostbusters fan, I should Proton be shot. Not, do what? Proton pack. Proton pack. I should be shot. It's been a long day, ladies and gentlemen. Um, mm -hmm. But these these things were a hit for a few years, and really, what killed this line was the similarity and popularity of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the late '80s. 
uh, as Ninja Turtles rose, real Ghostbusters kind of died. Um, but before Ninja Turtles became a thing, uh, hence why they were number one on apparently Ben and, and my draft board. Um, before they came along, that title went to the real Ghostbusters. All right. The real Ghostbusters. Bennett, to recap your picks, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Masters of the Universe, Star Wars, you got the eighth pick. Where are we going? Earlier in the draft, Brett um, picked the wrestling superstars, the LJN line, because that was a, a toy line that was very near and dear to his heart. I'm going to pick one that was extremely near and dear to my heart, and that would be Kenner. Here's Kenner again. Kenner's starting lineups. Back in the late 80s, you had a huge uh, sports card craze going on, like, like we do right now as well. Um, but this the sports craze was in full swing. There was uh, card shows popping popping up all over the nation every single weekend. People couldn't get enough of their uh, their favorite sports stars mugshot plastered on a piece of cardboard. But there was about to be a new player in the sports collectible market, and it was about to take the U.S. by storm. Enter Kenner's starting lineups. Initially, it was produced by Kenner. Then later on, Hasbro took it over. But these, their little four-inch figures, they hit the shelves in 1988, and they ran all the way through until uh, 2001. And they kind of got dethroned by uh, Todd McFarlane's uh, line of sports figures there. Um, these are interesting because these figures were actually the brainchild of a former professional football player. So who else is better suited to come up for a sports-led action figure than an actual professional uh, sports player themselves? It was the Bengals punter, Pat McKinley, who came up with the idea while he was at a toy store. He said he was at this toy store and he saw plenty of G.I. Joes, Star Wars, Masters of the Universe, but noticed there was nothing really there in terms of sports related you know action figures you know kids idolized um their sports heroes just as much as they would idolize um you know a ninja turtle or a, a he-man so he thought we should make action figures of sports players now these starting lineups especially the first ones but they never really got much better they weren't actually very fun to play with they had very, very limited articula articulation. Um, the likeness on many of these figures were absolutely horrendous. And they, they would re-sculpt time after time after time again. You would, have, um, you would have the same sculpt maybe for 10 different players, and they would just slap a different jersey on them. But in terms of collectability and in terms of demand, uh, these were an absolute home run. The, the inaugural set, from 88 and even a little bit 89. Those are ones that are the most important. Um, the first set had um, MLB, NFL, and NBA uh, lines, and these lines were massive. Um, the, they were all packaged. And they were color-coded by the blister packaging. NBA had a, uh, a red package. NFL had a green package, and MLB got a blue package. And other, outside of just the figure, you also got a sports card, maybe two sports cards. Sometimes there would be a little mini poster or a little collectible coin. Now, the MLB, that first initial run in 1988, had 124 figures. So you had, you had like half the league in figure form. It was crazy. Some of the big names were like Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Cal Ripken Jr., George Brett. Um, the baseball was definitely the most popular, and even today among collectors, um, the baseball line, especially that inaugural set, was is by far the most popular. NFL had 137 figures, and of course you had all the superstars like Marino, Elway, Jerry Rice, uh, Joe Montana. The NBA was a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller, but was still pretty stout. It had 85 figures in the first run. And, of course, you had um, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Kareem, Charles Barkley, and, of course, you couldn't have a respectable line without Michael Jordan. 
Um, these tours remain pretty popular all the way through the 90s and into the into 2000, 2001. And they really kind of transform from toys into collector's items pretty quickly. And um, most of the most sought after, like I said, are usually from that 1988 release, which is very important. Um, some of the 88 and 89 released figures can fetch hundreds of dollars or even hit four figures if it's the right piece to the right collector. Um, this set, it's, it, it has its flaws, especially in the design of the figures themselves, but it's very, very important to um, action figure history because this was the beginning of an entire new market. You know, we never had anything like this before. And this really gave collectors a, uh, a new way to collect their uh, favorite sports players. So definitely huge in that sense. All right. Starting lineups with the eighth pick. You've got one more pick, Bennett. Who would that be? My last pick is my wild card, but it's going to give me a chance to, to rant about this line that I don't think has ever got its uh, – do justice. And I'm going to go with the Beetlejuice figure line. Now, the Beetlejuice, they were released by who else but Kenner, of course. It, it was it was very short-lived. I will admit that. This may hurt my argument. It, it was only in two waves in 89 and 90, but it is such an awesome line, and I feel that they really deserved a whole lot more than, than what they got. Um, like I said, it was only two series long, but Kenner still managed. They pumped out a pretty impressive amount of figures, and they also pumped out some vehicles and a playset. Um, the packaging on these things are really cool. I don't have a little image, shamefully enough, to show you, but the packaging is like black and white striped with lime green mixed in too. And the the packaging themselves had some really great um, artwork of the figures too. It looked very Tim Burton-esque. Very, very cool packaging on these things. Uh, series one consisted of six figures, and three of those alone were just Beetlejuice figures, just different forms of Beetlejuice. And you also got um, Adam Maitland and Ortho. You know, Ortho, of course, was the guy who uh, did the, the the little seance there that brought Beetlejuice back. Um, series two was extremely, extremely small. There was just two Beetlejuice figures, but they were awesome ones. There was exploding Beetlejuice and there was the shipwreck Beetlejuice. I had the shipwreck Beetlejuice. I wanted the exploding one. I'm, and I've, I have pulled up eBay like three or four times and typed it in and almost went to hit buy. And I said, no, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Sit on it. Think about it. Don't make an impulse buy, but by this time next week, I may have one at the house. We'll see. <laughs> um, also, in the, just the, the there was only the two Beetlejuice figures in the series two, but there was kind of like a uh, a subset that was called Neighborhood Nasties, and I think I had three of these four. They were really cool. You had Teacher Creature, Hungry Hog, Street Rat, and Old Buzzard. Um, the sculpting and the details and the uh, the concepts behind these were very, very, very solid. And they were actually presented very well and were, and were well made. They, like I said, they released a couple of vehicles and they had a playset. The playset was called a vanishing vault, which was like a little graveyard. And you put your Beetlejuice in there and you opened up the little vault and you closed it. And I, I, to this day, I still know how it does it. And I'm 34 years old. When you open it back up, it's a little miniature Beetlejuice in there instead of the, the six-inch size one. And then you open up the vault again and close it, and then there's the six-inch version. It is, it's, it's blown my mind for like 30 years. I have no idea. I'm going to have to Google this. Um, you know, honestly, these were some of my favorite toys. My Beetlejuice toys were right up there with my Ninja Turtle toys growing up. And here recently, NECA, of course, NECA does – an outstanding job on everything they do they kind of resurrected the beetlejuice line they produced some really top-notch figures as they always do but as impressive as the NECA figures are they just don't quite have that cartoony and ghastly charm that the 1989 kenner line had so it's a wild card pick but man it's 
it's such an underrated toy line. So happy to get Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice at nine. All right, right. You have the last pick of the night. Quick recap: GI Joe, wrestling superstars, Transformers, and the real Ghostbusters. So, who will be the tenth and final '80s toy line chosen tonight? Well, I will say. The first seven picks in this draft were the first seven picks off my draft board. Uh, but starting lineups and Beetlejuice, solid choices weren't on my draft board. Um, so I'm faced with a conundrum now. Do I go with number seven on my list or go with number eight on my list, excuse me, or, or pick one of the lower two? And I'm going to go with – I'm going to bypass my number seven on my draft – my number eight on my draft board – um, number eight on my draft board and definitely deserves an honorable mention is Thundercats um, that Elrod mentioned earlier. Definitely deserve an honorable mention, but the pick I'm going to make here is number nine on my draft board and is a line that I, to be completely honest, until I started researching for this show, had completely forgot about. But I had these as a kid and I loved them. And I didn't remember them until I stumbled across them. And I'm going to bring it up now on my screen. My last pick is going to be Mad Balls. I had completely forgotten about Mad Balls. Uh, these were toys made by the Amtoy company um, that you don't hear about probably ever. But these are baseball-sized toys uh, that incorporated the gross-out humor that kind of got uh, popularized by the Garbage Pail Kids in the 80s, uh, as you can see here from these pictures here. Uh, these toys actually did lead to a tie-in comic book and a short-lived Saturday morning uh, cartoon. Fun note on the Mad Balls, uh, starting with Series 2, they began making these out of a softer foam, because the original Series 1 was that really, really hard, almost rubber-like foam, um, and they received a lot of complaints from parents whose children had been injured after being hit with these basically rubber balls uh, with these grossed-out faces on them. Uh, so they made them a softer foam. Kind of a niche thing with these little gross-out balls with these mad balls, but they are so cool. I completely forgot about them, but I had several of them as a kid. Really love that line. Uh, so I'm going to take mad balls with the last pick of the draft. Interesting pick. Like it. I'll tell you why. Here it, did you remember mad balls? You know, I didn't until um, I stumbled across it too, and I I don't think I had any of that that first line, but I definitely remember playing with these things um, when I was, I don't know, maybe like six or seven. So that would be around 91 or 92. I remember them once I saw it. Crazy. I love this. I completely forgot about them. I did too. I'm going to give each of you a minute, and I'll put you on a timer. To tell me why your list is better. And I believe, Bennett, you started off. How about you go first and finish this thing for me? Why is your list better than Wright's? Well, I could condense it from one minute down to just uh, four words. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> it was number one on my list. It was number one on Wright's list. So that's a huge one. Number two, Masters of the Universe is right where they should be. They outpaced Barbie in the 80s. Um, the scaling of the things I said were bigger. They were very innovative innovative for what they did, and they sold 70 million figures in just two years. Um, Star Wars, we all know how iconic the Star Wars line is. It's been enduring for since the 70s. So the 80s line was definitely up, up to par with the 70s line and definitely better than the 90s ones that we got. Starting lineups may be a little bit weird to you. You don't know if you remember those as much. And it's not the name power as like G.I. Joe or Transformers or Change Me Ninja Turtles, but they're very important into action figure history, especially in the 80s, because it did introduce a whole new way of collecting to, uh, to fans. You know, you never had anything really like that before. 
And then my wild card pick of Beetlejuice. They, it's such an underrated set. It's a shame that it only – it was as short-lived as it was. Um, they're very, very underappreciated. It's a very, very solid action figure that definitely deserves to be up on the list with these other names. I like it. I like it. Rut, your one minute starts now. Why is your list superior to Bennett's? Uh, I mean, let, let, let's point out the elephant in the room, the white whale. Bennett got the white whale. He took Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one, sure, as they were number one on my list. But as I mentioned, I had three that I considered taking with number one. Um, I had Ninja Turtles rated as a 10. I had two rated as a 9.9, and I got both of those 9.9s. I've got G.I. Joe, <coughs> which changed the game. It really brought about the playset era. Um, I mean, this toy, like I said, it, it's in the Toy Hall of Fame and in the Pop Culture Hall of Fame. Uh, G.I. Joe's, what they did in the 80s really set the pace for the rest of the 80s of what these toys would do. Uh, I took the wrestling superstars, these things, these LJNs that could kill somebody if you threw a King Kong Bundy at them hard enough. Um, Bennett can attest to that. These, these things changed two industries. Um, they not only changed the toy industry and brought Kenner back to life because after Thundercats died, Kenner was on their last night. Kenner LJN was on its last legs at Thundercat. Um, and these wrestling superstars really brought it back to life, but they changed the wrestling business. They helped Vince McMahon take over the wrestling world because that was one more pitch he had that other wrestling companies couldn't say, hey, come here. If we make a toy of you, you can make an extra six figures a year based off your royalties because these things are selling like hotcakes. Um, so they really changed two industries. Then we go on down the line. Transformers, again, something that, that really change the game you've got toy that you can change into another toy uh that were a big phenomenon we've got ghostbusters that you know when those movies came out uh and in the cartoon and in these toys those were in that group of toys that people might have been its age and especially maybe a generation earlier everybody had those uh and a lot of times you had to complete set and then my wild card uh, was Mad Balls, just because of how freaking different they were and how cool they were. Um, I could have taken Thundercats there. Maybe that was a smarter pick for trying to win. Um, Thundercats were great, but Mad Balls were what a they they're shaped like a period. What a period to the end of my draft board uh, with the Mad Balls. But I mean, GI Joe, LJN, Transformers, Ghostbusters, those four could be number one on a lot of people's lists. All four of them. All right, well, that concludes your draft. Here is where I stand on this. Now I went into this not knowing jack about '80s toys. Does that surprise any of you? No. This is surprise you zero. Well, I did a little research and I came up with a list of my own four. I wanted what are the top four? Because a lot of these I had no idea. But generally I knew about a few of these, and even in the 90s, I was playing with some of these toys. So here is my top four. At number four, Star Wars. Number three, G.I. Joe. Number two, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number one, Transformers. That is my list. Now, that's just my list. When I want to mediate a case where I don't know, I look to other people. What are they? What are the people saying? I go to Ranker. Not really. That's what Rod does. I don't go to Ranker. I, was about I, to say, to I didn't Buzz actually go to Ranker for this one. <laughs> Maybe I should have, but I didn't. So I went to BuzzFeed. Had a good article about. Uh, a survey of the top 1480s toy lines. And this is how your list coincides with their list. Their top five, five is the real Ghostbusters, which I believe Rutt took uh, with his fourth pick. Four is Mad Balls, another Rutt pick. Number three is the Superpowers Collection. It's the uh, DC... It's a DC uh, toy collection. Yeah, Rod doesn't care about that one. Number three. Wait, 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 wait. Should we have discussed DC? 
no, no, no. Moving on. Moving on. Nothing to see here. Number two, which shocked me. I even kind of threw it out as the as the um, trivia question. No one picked Thundercats, which I thought was surprising. Never mind Thorn. Both of y'all get a negative point for not picking Thundercats. Okay. Um, I never was a Thundercat fan. No, I wasn't either. That's why they were low on my board. Number one, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe on their surveys. So when you look at the 14, the two that didn't make their list, Bennett, that was on your list, were the starting lineups. Of course. In the Beetlejuice pick. Um, your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was at 13 on their list, which I thought was kind of low. Number one was the second pick, Star Wars. Now, let's look at your list, right? You've got G.I. Joe, which was eighth on their list. Hey. Your, your wrestling superstars was not even on their top 14. What it was not know? on there. What do they know? Your Transformers pick was 14th on their list. Rogue Ghostbusters is five. Mad Balls is four. So, when you look at their list and look at – the list I came up with by nose, and this was close. It's right, but it's close when you do the averages of what the people say and what I said. So that's what it is, right? Your list is a little bit better. I mean, I'll, I'll take this win. It, it's a close race. Um, if I'm sitting where Bennett's sitting, I'm taking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one, just like he did. Uh, and if Masters of the Universe had fell to me at four like they did to him, that probably would have been my pick there, too. Um, like I said, his the first seven picks in this draft were the first seven picks on my draft board. So I can't really knock uh, Bennett's list. Uh, starting lineups are a solid choice. And trust me, nobody loves starting lineups more than Bennett loves starting lineups. Uh, growing <laughs> up, you couldn't see – you literally couldn't see Bennett's wall because he had starting lineups pinned up from wall to wall, from ceiling to floor uh, in his bedroom. Um, and the Beetlejuice I had forgotten about. Um, they were good figures, but I do think my list, uh, I think, Elrod, you made a solid choice in picking my list here. Uh, but, you know, you give me my list, you give me Bennett's list, either one I'm going to have a good time and, and reminisce about my childhood and probably sit around and play with toys in my 30s. Um, I will say this. When we talk about wrestling superstars, which what does BuzzFeed know what they're talking about? I got a whole box of them. Uh, more than half of the line I have that I have bought in the last four years, three, well, last three years, really. Um, but unfortunately, there, well, not unfortunately. Fortunately, there was another human added to our household uh, within the past year. And a lot of things got moved into that tiny human's closet. And those happened to be in the back buried under a bunch of stuff or I would have had them as visual representation tonight. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a lot of fun. And, and I, I will gladly take the win, but I wouldn't have complained if I lost either. Um, fun draft. Close. It's very close. You know, I may have I may have took the loss, but anytime we talk about toys and especially 80s toys, it's a win. So um, I enjoyed this one and it's Definitely one of my favorite shows we've ever done. And be prepared, really? guys. Um, Bennett actually means that this time. Also be prepared. There's going to be another one of these coming soon covering the 90s. It's going to happen. Um, coming Match. soon. Maybe Elrod will be a little more apt to judge that one. Um, but, yeah, this, this has definitely been fun. Uh, but with that being said, it's getting late and Rutt's got to edit. So you guys can hear this uh, tomorrow. Uh, well, today, if you're listening to it. Um, so that will conclude our 80s toy line draft. Gentlemen, any parting words? I told you I would come prepared today. See, I'm proud. So you did a little bit of research, which is a little bit more than I thought you'd do. <laughs> Good job. Parting words? Yeah. Oh, good show. Great show. I'm going to go play with some toys now. Uh, don't know what we're coming at with you next week. Maybe we'll do 90s next week. Maybe we'll let it breathe for a little bit and come back to it. Uh, but either way, we will have something ready for you guys. Uh, and hopefully it'll be entertaining. Again, remember, check out our socials and check out podcastawards.com. 
entertainment category convince me uh people's choice category convince me other categories pick whatever you want there's a lot of good shows out there uh, up for nomination uh so for bennett for elrod for myself we will see you guys next week peace cowabunga